This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about the technology that affects us all, but few of us understand, presented in a format that can give you some basic understanding and the time it takes to drive to the grocery store. I'm Luke Covey, an independent journalist who's been writing about various technologies ranging from renewable energy to digital security for more than 40 years. I probably know more about it than you do, and if I don't, I will introduce you to those who do. Welcome back to Crucial Tech with Lou Covey. That's me, and uh, we're going to buy, we're going to put aside the the ethics discussion because we've had some internet problems here in the past uh, couple of weeks, which has thrown off my schedule quite a bit. But it's allowed me to do some research into something that we don't actually think about, and apparently neither do the internet service providers. Uh, I. I over the years, I've had uh, outages on my internet, and I, I actually pay the highest price for internet service that you can possibly do through a company uh, that uh, goes by, uh, the, their name uh, rhymes with Homcast. Uh, and the problem is, is that it's always the same problem, and I always go through the same uh process. And, and what it is, is that I notice my internet is slowing or it's becoming uh, interspersed. It'll go out, it'll come back in, it'll go out, it'll come back in. It's very frustrating because it, you could be streaming a television show or watching a baseball game and it all goes away and you've got to reset the modem and it comes back for a while and goes away. So that's when I call Comcast and say, I'm having a problem and I know what the problem is. But the thing is, the guys at Comcast, they have this uh, protocol in front of them uh, because uh, they're not in this country and they're given a script to follow. And what they do is they say, well, have you recycled uh, or rebooted your, your modem? Yes, I've done that. Go, can we do it again? So they do it again. And then they send a signal. And then they go through this entire process without ever accepting my explanation for the problem. And the thing is, like I said, over the 10 years I've been with this company, uh, I, it, has, um, it has always been the same thing. And it's, it's a simple fix, but they won't do it. The problem is squirrels. Yes, squirrels, okay? Uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, animals are a significant threat to not only the, inter, uh, the communication network that we have in this country, but also the power grid. The, in fact, uh, the, uh, the American uh, Power Producers Association says that animal damage is a bigger problem than cybercrime when it comes to uh, uh, threats to the, the national power grid. Uh, there is a, a, a company uh, that actually has a map called Cyber Squirrel One, where you can see all of the uh, outages that have been caused in, in the power grid and in uh, uh, the, the communications grid 
in in this uh, this country going back five years, and uh, there's a company called CenturyLink, which uh, bought a company called uh, Level Three Communications, which actually builds out the fiber optic uh, network in in the United States, and they say that 17% of all of their outages are caused by animals chewing into the cables. And 100% of those outages are caused by squirrels. No one really knows why squirrels like fiber optic cable so much, but it, they do. And uh, that's where my frustration came in because of this last time over the two weeks, it took them two weeks to actually send somebody out here. And they did. Uh, they went up on the pole and sure enough, they found my particular line had been almost chewed through by squirrel teeth. Not rats, not raccoons, squirrels. And the thing is, squirrels like telecommunication lines uh, because they can use them without getting fried. If they run across uh, power lines and their tail tails will touch another power line, then you'll have this slight explosion and a crispy squirrel. But telecommunication lines don't do that. And they can use them to go uh, from pole to pole and from po poles to trees and from trees to houses, avoiding predators all the way. Uh, but at the same time, uh, squirrels are rodents and their front teeth continually grow. So they have to be filed down by chewing on something that will that's hard enough to actually file it down. And they also sharpen their teeth because they need sharp teeth to to crack through nuts and things like this. Uh, but that was the problem once again that my internet provider would not listen to me about. So that being said, uh, I've been doing some research as I've just given you all these numbers and I found a company in uh, out in uh, the Missouri that actually makes a, uh, a product for this. Uh, it's called Critter Guard, and uh, they're very, very busy. Uh, and that's going to be the subject of our interview. I'm going to be talking to the owner of Critter Guard, John Sims. And just to let you know, Mr. Sims is very excited about his product, and I just kind of threw out a question, and off he went. So it's uh, not quite an interactive discussion with him, but it's still a fascinating story. So let's go to John Sims, CEO of CritterGuard. And so I've been just been doing some research on this. And um, sure. It, so how'd you find CritterGuard then? Uh, well, as, doing the research for for how bad this problem was. I see. And uh, and I took a look at your website, and I said. I think I need to talk to these guys. Great. Well, I'm happy to help. Yeah, um, I figured you would be. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, let me take a couple of minutes, and I'll give you some some of my background. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm an engineer. Um, this is not what I thought I'd be doing. Um, I'm a chemical engineer. engineer. I'm a chemical engineer. Okay. And so we're involved with energy and combustion and all kinds of things. So CritterGuard is like a side business that I own. Um, I bought it, literally bought it, um, from the original owners, uh, about three years ago. I've known the original owners since childhood. So the, the principals were 95 years old and no one in the family wanted the business as they got older. 
So the younger partner, who is the guy that I've known forever, uh, basically approached me and said, John, you should consider buying his company. And so it's like, okay, well, I've, I could look at it. So I looked at it and realized that, well, it's a fantastic design uh, product. Um, there's a, obviously an existing market. The question is, how big of a market? How big of a problem is this? Well, you can read data, which with your research, you've probably done, mm-hmm. um, and see what the Department of Energy and others would say about the nature of animal-related outages. Well, that's an interesting, um, th- that's an interesting thing because uh, I was reading a report from the American Power Producers Association, and they said yes. this is a bigger threat to the American power grid than cybercrime. There are a number of articles I can point you towards. Uh, you mentioned one of them was American Power Producers. The first thing, though, since you're a media guy, you might enjoy this if you haven't already come across him or in your line of work, you guys already may be colleagues. And that is a guy that runs a website, or actually it's a website, but mostly it's a Twitter feed that's called Cyber Squirrel. Yes, that's the other one I was looking at today. Okay, so Cyber Squirrel is... Um, he does a, a fantastic job, uh, and he's got the background you're talking about. He's a cyber hacker type guy. He's a techno geek. Yeah. Um, I know computer technology. I grew up in computer technology with Hewlett Packard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm aware of the infrastructure uh, technology and the engineering technology and the the risk and the the uh, sophistication really that's involved. Um, but Critter Guard as a business wasn't focused on any of that. Critter Guard was simply designed by a bunch of guys 20 years ago sitting in their backyard over a beer, cussing squirrels coming into their roof um, where in Columbia, Missouri, where the company's headquartered. Um, and basically these squirrels were chewing up the wood shake shingles on the roof. Wow. Okay. And this had happened this had happened repeatedly um, to the extent where when they um, turned it in for insurance coverage to get their roof repaired, the insurance company said, "You're out of luck. We don't we don't cover that sort of damage." And so that was an interesting finding that, you know, homeowners are basically on their own yep. with this kind of damage. So if they get into your house and Obviously, new neighborhoods, they're doing a lot of underground, you know, lines. But many, many, many homes throughout the United States, especially in the Northeast and the Midwest and the South, are, you know, overhead lines. Well, the squirrels use them as, I call it a highway. The squirrels just use it as a highway to get wherever they're going to go. The other thing I learned about squirrels, um, I've now learned more about squirrels and other rodents than I ever thought I I would ever know. And it turns out that squirrels are related to beavers. Um, They're of the same genus or species, whatever the right language there is. And that uh, concept means they have to chew. Their teeth will grow exceedingly long if they're not chewing. Well, I always thought it was for food or, you know, making a nest or something like that. It's it's true true for all rodents. It's true for beavers. Yeah, so they they chew. uh, Right. So they They'll chew everything. It doesn't matter whether it's steel or aluminum or your fiber optic line. They're happy to chew it. And so so the problem 
is that um, then with these reports that people like um, the Cyber Squirrel site does a really good job on his Twitter feed and through his, he's got a, a, a map, if you will, a Google map that he tracks because all these outages, when he does a fantastic job getting the data, the raw data. Yep. He's not trying to sell a thing, which is fantastic about him. Um, he he really doesn't care. He's just trying to point it out. And I've I've looked at some of his YouTube presentations um, at cybersecurity conferences, and he literally tries to work himself out of a job by telling people that squirrels are a much bigger problem than Russians hacking the grid. Yep. And here's why. Um, and so he's got the data. And so the data basically confirmed that very point that um, squirrel-related outages or various other animals, not just squirrels, but um, squirrels are definitely number one. And so he tracks all those outages because it's easy to find with a Nexus news crawler or web crawler or something, every outage that um, a local municipal utility will have on the evening news at 6 o'clock there was an outage that affected 2,000 uh, customers in the Lower East Side, blah, blah, blah. And um, uh, it's been repaired now, and the, the outage was caused by a squirrel. Okay? Yeah, actually, I was so, talking to a, um, a project manager for Facebook. And yes. he said that squirrels were re- uh, resulted in taking down an entire data center in Southeast Asia yes. for more than a day. Yes, these things happen. Um, they happen all over the world. Um, and so the the data is quite convincing. And one of the other thing I've learned now is, is that some utilities actually don't want to talk about this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's from their PR side, if you will, because their job is to, quote, unquote, keep the lights on. Yeah. And to have people find out that it was just a stupid animal that wasn't even really trying to do anything. They were just trying to get from point A to point B. Um, And, you know, they happened to cross two wires together with their body. And the next thing you know, you have a massive massive outage that takes hours, if not days, to fix. Yeah, I think think it was on your site that I saw the story of a guy that was collecting uh, fried... um, Yes. Yeah, and he had a box of 27 of them that uh, (laughs) he he wanted to show to the customers, and he actually got reprimanded by his company for doing that. Correct, correct. So so there's a little bit of a PR issue here at play as well. Um, And so as I learned about that, I started to get a lot more comfortable with what CritterGuard is trying to do, and is there really a market, is there really some growth? And as a result of that, over the last couple of years, you know, we have been doing that. We've been uh, investing in the sales and marketing side of the business, um, you know, getting going to more uh, trade shows, getting to more uh, utilities. And amazingly enough, even though the company is close to 20 years old, still so many utilities have never heard that we even exist. Yeah. Um, and part of that is because of, of what you just mentioned. There is a PR issue that they don't really want to try to admit it or report it. Uh, they may admit it privately to you and me, but they don't really want journalists talking about it. Um, because well, that's too bad, they, isn't it? <laughs> well, ex- exactly, exactly. And so, so we've definitely seen that attitude at some of the shows that, 
you know, and, and there's another side of it as well. The management may very well want the problem fixed because they know how expensive it is when there's an outage. Uh, as, as just a crude example, or just an anecdotal piece of information, one of the uh, local utilities in Texas that we spoke with just recently, um, you know, as you kind of described the problem, they're like, oh, yeah, you don't have to convince us. The cost of replacing a switch on an overhead line was um, $16,000 for just the switch itself. Wow. Then, then, you, then you have to add uh, a crew of maybe three or four, um, sometimes on double or triple time. Um, so, yeah, there's usually three guys that are required to go replace a switch like that. So um, when there's an outage caused by a squirrel on a cross arm where you've got the, you know, breaker switches, you know, they're the reconnect is what they're called. They're, they're the kind of a switch that basically if there's an outage caused by a surge, like a brownout, and it snaps it, these are called reclosers. And they automatically reestablish the connection. That's why you and I, as consumers, we might see a little snap, and then just a half a second later, the power comes back on. Yeah. Those those recloser switches are becoming standard fare in all, and of course they're rated based on how much current voltage the thing has to handle. So you can imagine in a big city like out in California, with a lot of consumers, those are very expensive switches. Yes. Whereas the the ones in Texas serving 2,000 people in a small town, not such a big deal. But even that was $16,000 to replace plus labor. So that lends itself to the number that I got from the Department of Energy a few years ago when they said that there was easily $10 billion of downtime. That's the cost of downtime. That doesn't mean they're all caused by the animal itself. But that means that the cost to repair, to send people back out, the cost of equipment, that animal caused damage that ended up costing $10 billion. Wow. And so it's a massive uh, problem. And what our product does, if you've seen the website, it's we try to take we, – we like the, the idea of keep it simple, you yeah. know. And that's what's unique about our product compared to – there are many, just if you do more research – there are many um, competitors that I have. Some of them are very expensive products, um, custom design, um, steel and aluminum enclosures. Um, electricity is funny. You know, it doesn't like galvanic action, mm -hmm. if, you, if you know the term. And so if you've got aluminum connectors, you better have aluminum protection. <laughs> if you've got, you know, uh, steel connectors, you better have steel protection. Uh, if you mix those metals, you're going to have big problems. Yeah, and especially with current flow through it, and Which is, so makes makes you makes a chemical engineer a good guy to be running this company. You bet. So I understand all that stuff, and so our product is made out of plastic, and people look at it and go, "Ah, oh, this is a toy," and then they finally understand our product does one thing that nobody else's product does: it actually moves, and the movement. When the animal lands on it, touches it, comes in contact with it, the very fact that it spins makes them back up and go, huh, what the heck? What's this? You know? Ah, and so, okay. So, so now that's what you don't see in the unless you watch the videos. If you just look at the website, it just looks like a static guard, okay? 
but it's not static. Its whole purpose is designed to rotate. So if you look at that line guard component on, on our system, that wheel, we call it a jump barrier, it's 12 inches in diameter, but it literally just snaps over the line. There's no tool required to put this on. You just snap it over the line, and so you can do it while the line is energized. They all wear insulated rubber gloves, so they can do this while the line is hot. They put half the shell together, the clamshell, the roller. Mm-hmm. They put half of it together like, like a book or a clamshell with a, with a binding on it, and then they snap it over the line. And by snapping it over the line, it now spins on the line. It spins like a top. And then you take the wheel, that 12-inch wheel, and it also snaps on the conical end of it. So you put those two things together, now the whole assembly spins. So as the squirrel, or in fact, we've learned it keeps snakes off, it keeps rats off, it keeps you know anything that comes in contact with it, because the fact that it's got a web on it makes it somewhat attractive to a curious animal. And so instead of trying to jump it, which the name says jump barrier, they actually try to climb it. As soon as they climb it, and because the very nature of it makes it spin, the weight of the animal makes the whole thing spin upside down. Well, now he's upside down, and he's like, crap, what just happened? And so he can't continue on the way he was going. He has to go back. And so he gets back on the line, and now if he's the least bit curious, which a lot of them are the first time, now he looks at it and he says, well, okay, I can get over this, and now he tries to jump it. That's why there are five of those on the line. Each roller is a foot long. They're independent rollers. So it's a bit like the game show, uh, what do they call it, American Ninja or something like that, <laughs> where people jump on the spinning barrels, you know, or, or the, the old-time the old time, uh, um you know, uh, woodcraft, uh, you know, uh, Norwegian festivals where they try to spin the other guy off the log on the water. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's that kind of a mechanism where it's very hard plastic. They can't get their, their nails into it, their claws into it. They can't stand there and chew it, um, which they'd be inclined to do because they're interested to climb it. And as soon as they try to climb it, they're upside down. Okay. So then they can't, they can't write themselves. Yeah. This is for power lines, right? Do you have similar products for, uh, fiber optic cables? It's the exact same product for fiber optic. We don't care what the conductor is. Okay. It could, it could conduct, it could be a coax TV cable. It could be a twisted pair cable. It could be a power cable. It could be even triplex. If you know what that is, triplex is the twisted rope-looking electrical line that a lot of homeowners have as their overhead service entrance cable from the transformer into their house. Okay, and what's well, the, that's what's, a much what's the cost on these? Go, line guard for the retail public is a hundred bucks. Okay, that kit that you see is a hundred bucks, so it's chump change. In fact, I've had lots of people say you're not charging enough, um, and so. But and we've bumped the price considerably since I bought the company. But um, but a lot of that's just based in cost of manufacturing and distribution, all those and sales and marketing costs. Well, how much? How, so, much, you, how much would you charge to an ISP for that? Um, the business cost is considerably less, so we discount that fairly heavily to third-party resellers and distributors. So that big distributors like Annexter and the cable TV and, you know, communications world, Annexter is a big distributor of ours. They sell this to 
uh, OEMs of wire and cable. Um, we also sell it to um, construction companies that are putting up substations. And that's really been one of our biggest growth areas in the last couple of years is getting directly to the people because there are, I think I heard last year, and this is still anecdotal. I don't know that I've got definitive information on it. I believe last year they built, the United States built over 1,000 substations, brand new substations across the country. So there's part of President Trump's uh, infrastructure plan in action. Whether it came from that funding, I have no idea. I'm just saying that the infrastructure is definitely being built out. Those utilities that are paying for that are having third-party contractors design and build the entire substation according to their specs. So we are able to get those specs to be listed to include overhead line protection uh, with Critter Guard because Critter Guard is so easy to put on when they're putting a new substation in because we basically say, look, at least in the U.S., I found this to be true. I believe it's required. Every substation must have a fence around it, that chain link fence yeah. with gates and controlled passage and all of that. Well, part of that's to keep two-legged animals out, you know, the, mm -hmm. the creeps, uh, the people who do want to hack the system. But the other part of that was to keep ground-based animals from entering the substation. And they have a design such that the fence is actually buried. They literally have two or three feet of fence line below grade so that the animal can't dig underneath the fence. Well, that's all well and good, except for the squirrel that could come in on the overhead lines, pop right down the fence, and establish a home in a transformer canister. Yeah. So it's nice and warm and dry in there. And sooner or later, he's going to make a mistake and hit the wrong switch, and he's toast, and so is the substation. <laughs> and and so, so the idea is, you know, Mr. Utility, you really need to protect your utility from intrusion and if you want to call it hacking okay this is hacking of the animal variety okay um because they are coming in from the overhead line and this is the cheapest insurance you can buy absolutely great uh john thank you very much this has been highly illuminating uh and uh i've still got a few uh, email addresses of uh, some of the people within Comcast that I had to talk to and yell at, and uh, they may actually appreciate hearing about this. So uh, you bet. Thank you and for it, your time, as as that comes up, if they, you know, obviously you can direct them my way. I'll answer any of their questions. We have a number of of uh, cable and telephone companies. Uh, obviously, overhead lines. If they're yeah. buried lines, I, I don't have a market, but. Um, if they're overhead lines, uh, we've got our product on that um, and anything up a pole. And, of course, the other product we have I didn't talk about, but it's the exact same feature, and that is pole guard because pole guard is a series of two plate halves that um, are custom designed and mounted on the pole with either straps, uh, metal straps, or uh, long spike nails because it doesn't have to support any real weight. Yeah. And then those plates are tied together to make a, a circular barrier around the pole. And then on the outside of that barrier are hanger brackets for these same rollers that we use on line guard. So as an animal would come up the pole, wooden pole, 
they will hit this barrier and go, oh, okay, well, I can get around this. And they go to the outside of the barrier, but then they encounter the spinning roller. And since they're, again, they're upside down and they grab hold of the roller, they can't get their claw in it or their teeth in it. They can't chew it. And so they spin off and get frustrated and go somewhere else. So they're not going to be able to get onto the line from the ground. And if they happen to get on the line from dropping on a tree, out of a tree onto the line, then you put line guard on the line and they can't get into the substation uh, from that. So that's absolutely how we do it. We have, like I said, we have really three different price points. We sell directly to utilities, all utilities. Um, We sell through distributors that are, in many cases, the buying authority for some of those utilities. And we also sell directly to homeowners and business owners who might have a building or a substation in an industrial um, area. They run their own uh, distribution transformer or substation with three or four or five lines coming in their building, and they've got rats in their belfry, if you will. And so um, we keep them out. And I've had customer after customer right back. The only downside we've got in our business is once you put on line guard, you don't have to put on another one. It's good for years. I've had them in service now for 15 years by Ammer and UE, the largest utility in St. Louis, Missouri. They probably got the oldest systems out there, and they're still in service and still working fine. Yeah, and there's still a lot that need to be done. So, John. And there's still still many, many, many more lines to do. That's correct. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate everything you've had to say. So that's our show for this week. Uh, We'll be coming back next week. Uh, looking more in the area of ethics and artificial intelligence. This has been Lou Covey with Crucial Tech. This is a Footwasher Media production.